0: Can you believe that Christmas is almost upon us? I mean, how quickly has that come around again? I don't know about you, but I am so excited and really full of faith. I'm expectant that this is gonna be our best Christmas ever. And we're gonna be pulling out all of the stops this Christmas right here at Liverpool One Church. Because not only are we gonna create two fantastic services for you to attend on Christmas weekend at both the 11 a.m. and the 6 p.m. on Sunday the 23rd of December. But seriously, you wanna make sure you plan to be with us on Friday the 21st of December for a really special night of Christmas. We wanna bring together both the 11 a.m. and the 6 p.m. and we're intentionally asking you to invite your world for an amazing night of just production, festive food, mulled wine, hot chocolate, it's gonna be incredible. Because we believe this, and this is what we're praying for right now. We think that most of your friends and family are gonna be most likely to be open to receive an invitation to come with you to church around the Christmas season. So plan to be with us. You and your friends and your family on Friday the 21st of December for an incredible night of Christmas. And hey, I've even heard that there might just be snow. It's going to be brilliant.
1: It's so great to see you all at the 6th tonight. I hope you are super excited for these awesome bunch of people who are going to get baptised and... You know, whether you've just come tonight on the back of an invite of one of these um, beautiful people who are getting baptised, or whether it's your first or your 10th time in church, we just love the fact that you've taken some time out to be here tonight. I think it's pretty, pretty wonderful. The step of faith and courage that you amazing group are going to be doing tonight. And so, you know, th- this week I was out driving with my friend and uh, I said to her, I don't know how I ever got around before sat Like, I don't know. My inner compass is horrendous. I would get lost in a supermarket. I can't find my way around anywhere. So how I ever used to drive before sat nabs baffles me. And I actually remember the very first time that I used a sat it was actually Courtney who had one. And he lent it me because I was going to speak somewhere on the East Coast and I had no clue where I was going. And there were the little handheld devices and you'd hook them on the windscreen of your car. And he lent me this device and he programmed in for me where I would be going to speak. But when I got up the serv- onto the service station, when I pulled off the motorway, I didn't know. Can I turn it off? Do I leave it on? If I switch it off, have I lost all my directions? What do I do? And so, being female and not having a blooming clue, I just took the device off the window and put it in my handbag, and I went into the service station and and I went into the bathrooms and. From my cubicle, all you could hear was, please turn around when possible. I was like, this is awkward. Please turn around when possible. I'm like, came out the bathroom to some funny, funny faces. But, you know, for us here at Liverpool One Church, we believe that the word of God is like a sat-nav to our lives. You know, we believe that when we read the word of God, it locates us. It shows us where we are at in life. And if you allow it to, it will direct you the best route possible to where you want to go. Because we're all moving in life. None of us want to remain or stay the same. We're all progressing somewhere. And so as I speak to you for the next 20 minutes or so, my prayer has been and my request is that we all would turn on our inner satnav, our inner GPS, so to speak, Uh, And that simply means that we wouldn't switch off, but rather we will just lean in for a few moments and listen, because whether you are a Christian in here tonight or not, God has located you. Whether you know what you're doing with your life or not, God does. He knows who you are, he knows whose you are, and he knows where you are at in life. And who knows, just maybe through this message tonight, you will find some form of direction to help you get to where you want to be. And so before we get to this pool, I want to take you to a story in the Bible about another pool. This pool is called the Pool of Bethesda. And the story is found in John 5, and it simply reads like this. Now, there was in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. There was pillars around the pool, and each pillar was covered over to create five porches. And here, a number, a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind and the lame and the paralyzed. If you're looking for a title for this message today, it is more of a... um, a quote than a title. And it's simply this, how much do you want to see the change you say you want to see? Everyone got that? How much do you want to see the change that you say you want to see? Because I believe that if we were to ask and answer that question to ourselves, there are things within all of our lives that we desire to see change I'm not talking about changing the car or changing the cat. I'm talking about things within your life that you want to see change. For some of you, it might be a financial change that you need to see in your world. Maybe for some of you, it's a relational change. Something has got to change in that relationship. Maybe for some of you, it's a change in your health. Maybe for some, it's a change in your attitude and the way that you think and perceive things. Maybe it is just a change in some of the stuff that you do that you don't want to be doing, or maybe it's what you're not doing that you want to be doing. But either way, I think, I truly believe that all of us want to see some form of change in our life. So this pool of Bethesda was situated just outside the city of Jerusalem, And um, in ancient days, it was used to provide water for the temple, where it was also positioned near the temple. It had five covered porches. And the name Bethesda in Aramaic means house of mercy. And many disabled or inflicted people would come and gather and literally camp out and live on the porches of the pool of Bethesda, hoping to find mercy from God, because legend had it that once a year, an angel would visit the water and stir the waters. And when the waters were stirred, the first person into the pool after the angel had stirred the water would be made well. So the pool of Bethesda, it, 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 it attracted all of those with infirmities, the blind and the lame, the deaf, the crippled. You'd find them all on these porches, but each porch had its own category of people. So all the lame people would gather on one porch and all the blind people would gather on another porch and there would be the deaf here and the, the paraplegic over here and each one gathered on its own porch. Diseased and desperate they came, each with a different illness but everyone physically maimed in some way or another. What's important for us to understand is the time in history that this was happening because there was no such thing as hospitals or medical centres like we know today. Doctors and surgeons, they didn't exist. Things like um, scans and x ray machines and medicines, It, it wasn't available like we know it today. So these people came to the pool of Bethesda. And these porches acted like a holding bay for people with disabilities or bodily dysfunction in some way, shape, or another. These people, when I read this story, I see that they're stuck in this place of in-between. They're not really free to live life, but they're not ready to die either. They're just sort of existing in-between. You know that saying, You're living life, but you're not really alive. You see, it says that the pool was situated by the Sheep Gate. And the Sheep Gate was the entrance to the marketplace. And it was called the Sheep Gate because it's where they take the cattle in and out to trade and barter and buy. But in the marketplace, it was a thriving place of productivity and activity. But these people, they weren't well enough to be in the hustle and the bustle of the marketplace but neither were they ready to be in the cemetery. So they just existed somewhere in between, coping with the way life was. Their situation wasn't great, but when they gathered together, when they grouped together, the thing that was abnormal became their normal. When they did life together on their porch... The thing that was the problem and the thing that was wrong all of a sudden wasn't that wrong, it was pretty normal because everybody around you had the same issue. You know, any time a group of people gather together, there will be a common denominator that they talk about, the common denominator being the thing that's brought them together. So any time you find a group of young mums together, the common denominator is the baby and their conversation will be one of bottles and nappies and potty training. Every time we gather together as the church, the common denominator is the kingdom of God. So everything that happens from this platform, be it in song, in speak, in prayer, will all be pointing towards the kingdom of God, because that's the common reason we've all gathered here today. People gather together under the common denominator of sports or hobbies. They gather together. If you were to go into a hospital ward, where there'd be six or eight beds, the common conversation would be their illness and their operation. It would all be about what they've been through. They would be there comparing notes. So you can only imagine the level of conversation that took place on each of these porches. You've got the the lame people over here and they're talking about their bed sores because they've been lying in the same position all this time. And then you've got the blind people over here who are not just blind, by the way, they've got broken broken arms and shattered kneecaps because they've fallen over or walked into something again and again and again, losing their footing. And so they're there having this conversation, each comparing their problem, each talking about their situation. But the problem you have when you only have conversation with those who are in the same position as you, struggling in life with the same thing that you are, people who've got the same negative outlook that you have, people who have the same hang-up as you have, when your conversation is totally with that grouping of people, it doesn't inspire you to change. It just holds you where you are. When all you do is talk to people who are in the same boat as, with, as you, your conversation becomes about coping with the problem rather than desiring to see your life change. And it's no different in our society today. You know, in our society every day, we gather on our porches. You can't see them. They might not be visible to the human eye, but they are there. And our porches facilitate the dysfunction within us. Our porches facilitate the weakness in us. I will be on my porch and I will talk about how bad my divorce was compared to how bad your divorce was. And on this porch over here, people will be comparing the issues they've got with their children and how they can't control their children. And this person will tell the stories about what their children have been up to. And on another porch over here, we'll be talking finances. And I'll tell you how broke I am and how hard up we are right now. And you'll tell me that You know, you've got it way worse because you want to hear what's going on in your life. And all we do on our porches is we compare our problems. You see, on your porch, you will find other people who are like you. You will find people who will support your frustration. You will find people who will agree with your situation. And on your porch, there will be plenty of conversation, but not a lot will change. Because what you will find is that after you've conversed and after you've voiced your opinion, everything remains the same. Because if the only voices that are speaking into your situation are people on the same level as you, in the same place of life as you, then who is going to inspire you to change? Who's going to help you move on? If you only do life on the porch with the blind people, who is ever going to help you to be able to see? In other words, you are who you hang around. You are who you hang around. You cannot run with gossiping women and expect to be respected. It will never happen. You cannot run with low work ethic, passive men and expect to be victorious and be an overcomer in your life. It will never happen because you are who you hang around. If you hang out with a liar, then lying will become your way of life. If you hang around bad language for long enough, then that will become your way of speak. You know, it's behavior. It breeds behavior. If you run with arrogant people, eventually you will be known as an arrogant person. Behavior breeds behavior. And the people you most associate with are on your porch. And I said to the 11 o'clock this morning, I say the same to you. If you don't know what porch you're on in life, then go and check your phone. See what your conversation's been like recently. See who you've been talking to recently. It's a great indicator as to what porch you're on in life. And so the blind got together on one porch because they understood each other. And the lame got together on another porch because they empathized with each other. Each to their own porch, learning to cope in their situation. And you know, in our present day life, on our porch, we do exactly the same. We just learn to cope with the way things are. We just learn to cope with the problems that we can't cure or we can't make go away. We build porches and we sit on them. And we learn to cope in a bad marriage rather than pursue a life that will make it better. We learn to cope with wayward children Rather than finding out a way to make it work better we learn to cope with our situation the way it is we learn to cope in debt you know we we'll just figure out another way I'll borrow another loan and we cope in this situation we we cope with our depression and and we just keep you know feeding ourselves with 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 self-help and with, with tablets, which I'm not against in any way, shape, or form. But what I'm saying is there has to come a point in your life where you say, I need to see a change. I don't want to cope in this situation for the rest of my life. And so in our story, Jesus comes walking down by the pool of Bethesda, and he sees this group of people who are just coping in life. They're just existing on the porch, and they're just coping. And one man in particular captures his attention. In verse 5, one who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned he'd been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? I mean, do you ever wonder sometimes why the all-seeing, all-knowing, omnipresent God asks questions? It's like, you know all the answers. Why do you ask questions? Well, he asks questions. God asks you questions, not because he doesn't know the answer, but because what comes out of your mouth is an indicator as to where your faith is at. Because do you know that God is only able to do what you believe he's able to do? God will only do for you what you believe. You can have everybody's supporting you and praying for you. And I believe in the power of prayer. And it's great when you have people supporting you, but God will only do in your life what you believe he will do. That's why it says in Matthew 9, according to your faith, it will be done to you. So the God who knows everything saw this man in this situation, lying on the floor for 38 years and says, do you wanna be made well? I mean, it can be a little bit confusing sometimes when you read through the Gospels and you see the questions that Jesus asks people. Like, you know, they bring the blind man up to him and the guy's like this. And Jesus says, what do you want? And it's like, are you for real? Can you not see? He's blind. Like, is it not obvious? Are you being the funny man? And here he is again, asking a lame man who's been on his back for 38 years, do you want to be made well? But When we read the text, it actually says this, when Jesus saw him lying there. I don't know where there was, but wherever there was, Jesus was saying to him, it doesn't look to me like you want the change that you're saying you want to see. Wherever there was, Jesus was saying, there is nothing in your position and nothing in your behavior that is letting me know that you are serious about the thing you are asking for. You know, any parent would know what it is to have a child that would voice or whine when they really want something. And any smart person parent would know, you don't just give the child immediately what they want, but first you would observe their behavior because their behavior will let you know how serious they are about the thing they really want. So, if my son were to say to me, I want to go to McDonald's, I wouldn't just jump in the car and take him to McDonald's, but I may say something to him like, well, if you can go and get your room tidied up, then I might take you to McDonald's. And sometime later, I will go into Joash's room and I would say to him, truth, I would not lie from platform. For those of you who don't know, he's my 22-year-old, stroke five-year-old. And um, I would go into my son's room and he would be there in the middle of mess and mayhem playing on his PS4. And I would say to him, I would then ask him a question, to which I already know the answer. I will say to him, do you want to go to McDonald's? To which he'll say, yeah. And I will say, but there's nothing in your behaviour that is telling me you really want to go. So when Jesus saw this man lying there and asked him the question, he was saying, mate, there's nothing in your action that is letting me know that you're serious about getting to that pool and getting well. The guy had been lying there for 38 years and nothing had changed. 38 years lying there and nothing had changed. You know, our 12-year-old has just made his Christmas list out. I rather liked it when they were a bit younger and we'd write letters to Santa and do all that kind of stuff. But these days we make wish lists on Amazon. And he came to me with his wish list. And I went through his wish list and I was like, Sol, your wish list is about 700 pound over budget, by the way. So I'm just letting you know, you ain't gonna be getting everything off this list. But Dad and I will go through it and we will decide what to get you from your list. Well, over the next few weeks, this remarkable thing started happening in our house. Every light was being turned off. I mean, we were in darkness. I mean, I would go into my bedroom and I'd get four steps in and then the light would go off. And I was, the Christmas tree lights, they're going off. And he's putting all the lights off. And I said, Solomon, What are you doing? He said, I'm saving my dad some money. (laughs) If I turn the lights off and save on the electricity, he'll be able to get me more off my wish list. I don't think that's going to happen somehow. But his actions at least show us how serious he is about the thing that he really wants for Christmas. So 38 years lying in the same place. I think Jesus looked at this dude and was like, mate, you kind of look a bit comfortable in your mess. Like, I know your situation is not great. And I know you didn't choose for life to be this way for you. However, you look like you've made a home in your mess. You look like you have established yourself and just come to terms with the way things are. So even though you're saying you want it to be different, your behaviour is not showing me that you want it to be different. I mean, this dude was lying on his mat. He probably had a table, a bit of food stashed there, maybe had his TV set up. I don't know. He would have been a voice on that porch. He would have been an influence. He would have been a person. people would have lit. He'd have bossed that porch because he'd been there 38 years. Your behaviour, looks like you're comfortable in your mess and you don't look desperate for the change that you say you want to see. You have laid in that spot for all of this time and not made any effort to get to the pool to get yourself well. You know, we all have porches and we're guilty of being on them. Every single one of us. We are guilty of becoming comfortable in the porch where we have settled. And we say things like, it's just the way it is. It's just the way life is for me. I didn't ask for it to be like this. I didn't want it to be like this. But now I'm here on this porch of 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 divorce or desperation or debt or relationship struggles or whatever it is. Now I'm here, I just might as well make myself comfortable. You know, on here we lie. We've got so used to the way things are that we fear change, even if that change is for the better. So we choose to stay in bondage to our dysfunction rather than push into uh, and pursue the life that we really want. But I believe the thing that Jesus was saying to this guy back by the pool of Bethesda is still what he says to you and I today. And that is this. I am the answer to your problem. But I don't want to disturb you if you like where you are. And the answer to your problem. But if you're comfortable in your mess... I'm not going to disturb you. I'm not going to interrupt where you are. Sometimes we're praying prayers that we really don't even want answering. We're praying them because we know it's the right thing to do. We're praying because our life has hit a place, a a situation, a circumstance, and we're praying for that to change. But actually, when God answers our prayer, we begin to sabotage it because we're that, our normal our abnormal has become our normal, and that is the way we're used to life. So we may pray for things like, I just want to be loved, and I just want to be accepted, but then you run a million miles from anyone who tries to show you any any affection. You pray for a turnaround in your situation, and you just want some good to come out of your life, and the minute things start going good, you freak out and find something bad to focus on, because you're not used to that. You've been praying for friends to come around you because you've never had that solid, great set of friends. But then anytime somebody offers you a hand of friendship, you slap it down because they must have an agenda because no one's ever just being friendly to me. Jesus asked the man, do you want to be made well? He was saying, I can do something about your situation, but you and I, we have to first be in agreement. We have to first be in agreement Do you know how the crippled man first responded to Jesus? He responded to him with two excuses. In verse 7, he replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone always gets ahead of me. And I began to read this and think to myself, my, oh my, not a lot has changed. Down through the years, mankind is still the way it is. We have this blame culture. We have this way of saying there was an opportunity, but there was no one to support me. I am like this and I'm stuck in my mess because of who didn't carry me, because they didn't answer the phone to me, because they didn't stand and pray with me, because they didn't walk the walk with me, because they didn't come and collect me when they said they would collect me. That I that I'm here in my mess and I'm stuck in my situation because of who failed me and because of who's let me down. I am the way I am because because of the way I was raised. I am the way I am because my husband left me. I am the way I am because, because of the place where I live. I come from a broken home. I am the way I am because of what they said about me. And down through the ages, we're still giving God exactly the same excuses of why we've been in the same mess for all of these years. And then he goes on to say, I tried, but it didn't work. I tried to get into the pool, but somebody always pipped me me to the post. Somebody always just managed to get in in front of me. I tried, but it didn't work out. I tried and it didn't work, so I gave up. I don't know if it sounds familiar to you. I tried to be a friend, but she still ignores me. I tried to say sorry to him, but he still hates me. I tried to forgive, but it doesn't work. I tried and it didn't work out. So I'm back on my porch. And here i stay because I'm comfortable here. Because I know this life. But the question still remains. How much do you want to see the change you say you want to see. You see, if legend would have it that this um, angel stirred the waters once a year, and you missed it on day one. That means you had 364 days in which to get yourself positioned by the pool. And I know the guy was lame. And I know we can empathise with his story because I know there must have been more able-bodied people who were able to get to the pool before him. But he still had 364 days to do something about it. And I don't know about you, but I think after years one and two, I'd have been right. That is enough if there's no one here to carry me, if there's no one here to support me, if there's no one here to walk this walk with me, I will do whatever I can do to get myself to the water's edge. I am going to sleep on the side of that pool and plop myself right in when that angel next appears. I can't walk, I can't run, but watch me roll. And I would have just started rolling and rolling and rolling and I don't know about you but I can imagine if this guy was rolling you'd occur some injuries along the way you know you're going to graze your knees and you're going to bash your head and- And and I think some of you have felt that on your journey. And guess what else? You're going to roll into a few people and you're going to knock a few people down and they're going to get grumpy with you. They're going to get annoyed with you. But hey, I'm so sorry that I offended you. I'm so sorry that I upset your life, but I'm just on the way to get myself to the water's edge because I am after my miracle. And I'm going to position myself to do all so God can do all that he's going to do within me. And I don't know what a roll looks like for you tonight. What does that look like? It's uncomfortable rolling, I think. It's uncomfortable. But some of you have just got to do it. You've got to say, look, I'm not relying on other people anymore. I'm going to do everything that I can do. Some of you need to change the set of friends that you've been hanging out with because they're all on your porch and it's dysfunctional and God's got a way better life for you. Some of you, you just need to walk the route of honesty. Be upright in the workplace. Be honest with your taxes. Walk that walk. Some of you, you need to roll yourself into church a little more often. It's true. It's true. You don't come because my husband doesn't like me being here and my wife and my my family and they get offended if I go to church. I'm sorry. But if you really want to see the changes in your life that you say you want to see, you're going to have to bulldoze a few people out of the way, along the way to get yourself to the water's edge. I know for every person getting baptised tonight that their stories... And their journey has not just been one of ease and simplicity. But if for everyone here tonight, they've had to roll. They've had to struggle. They've had to get over a few difficult situations. Just to get themselves down to the edge of this pool tonight. There's no angel staring at these waters. Just my husband's hairy legs will be staring at these waters tonight. However, a miracle is about to take place because these people have got off their porch, got off their porch of complacency, got off their porch of insecurity, got off the porch of embarrassment because, you know, it's not easy standing up here in front of people and doing this publicly. I've had conversations with a few of them. I'm scared of water. I'm scared of standing up in front of a few people. I'm like, don't worry, I'll just push you in. You'll be fine. Be over before you know it. A joke. But you know, it's like, it's nervous and it's not easy. Some of them are here on their own because their family will not support them because they don't believe in what they believe in. But guess what they've done? They've rolled themselves down to the water's edge because they're positioning themselves so that God can make the changes they wanna see. You know, when this guy in our story, when he finally reached out, Jesus touched him. and said to him, you don't have to wait once a year for a miracle. I'm Jesus. And I can touch you wherever and whenever, wherever you are, whenever I can, whenever you want, I'm there to touch you. He said to this man who'd been lying lame for 38 years, pick up your mat and walk. And I read that and I thought, why did he not just tell him to start walking? Why did he say, pick up your mat? I think it was because he was showing him I want you to collect your belongings because you're never going to return to this place again. I want you to pick up your stuff because you're moving from this location and I'm taking you into your destination and you're going to move from there and you're going to take what's been holding you for 38 years. You're now going to take a hold of it and you are going to move to there. There is no going back when God touches you. You know our God, He specialises in change. He does, He specialises it. Whenever God gets involved with something, whenever God intervenes with something, then you can guarantee one thing and that is change. If He puts His hand on it, it's gonna change. If He speaks His word over it, it's gonna change. But here's the really cool thing. You see, God doesn't change something for the purpose of making it different. My God! always changes something for the purpose of making it better. And I know there are many people in this place tonight that can testify, my God changed my life and made it better. Church, I'm going to ask, will you stand with me this evening?